This episode is brought to you by Meow Wolf. Manifest unique family memories at Meow Wolf Denver. Quantum travel is the most comfortable way for Earthers of all ages to explore a playground of imagination. And why visit just once when this immersive experience reshapes every time you enter? C Street is my favorite because C Street has this vibe of like 80s dystopian. There's like slime coming down the walls and there's weird posters. And then of course, the secret club. With the annual Portal Pass, drop by Convergence Station as much as you want for less than the cost of two adult tickets. So if you plan to go twice, it's worth it. Plus, enjoy discounts, special offers, and so much more. Get the annual Portal Pass and spend quality space time with your favorite Earthers today. Learn more at MeowWolf.com. That's MeowWolf.com. Today on CityCast Denver is brought to you by Tacovas. Western Week continues, and what investigation of Denver's western roots would be complete without a deep dive into the ocean of the plains? I'm talking about Rocky Mountain oysters. Why do people eat them? Do people eat them? We did, at one of Denver's oldest and most storied restaurants, and we've got a full report straight from the source. Today is Thursday, January 11th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Newsletter editors Peyton Garcia and Adrian Gonzalez, welcome back to the show. Hey. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Good morning. We got such a juicy topic today. Uh, some people call them prairie oysters. Some people call it a calf fry. Uh, in Mexico, apparently they're called criadillas, but uh, we're talking about Rocky Mountain oysters. Peyton, just... Let's be honest, right up front. What is this? What is a Rocky Mountain oyster? <laughs> Rocky Mountain oysters are not oysters. They are bull testicles. Mm. Sliced thin, deep breaded and deep fried and served with horseradish and cocktail sauce. Yeah, yeah. And we ate them and we're going to talk about them. But first, this is kind of a thing here. And we should, you know, that's where we should start, you know, because when I moved here, um, I had never had them. I, I sort of vaguely understood that people cared about them here, but not really anything about it. Maybe it's a local specialty or a novelty. Um, I was very excited to try them. Um, but you two both grew Did up Did you here. know what they were? I knew what they were. I ha you know, I'd heard about <laughs> yeah. them. Okay. I'd heard rumors. Okay. Uh, they made it all the way out east. Um, <laughs> Adrian, how, was this like a part of your life, Rocky Mountain Oysters growing up here? No, not really. I mean, I, I think the first time I tried to proper Rocky Mountain Oysters was at the Buckhorn Exchange in, in my maybe teenage college years. Mm -hmm. um, but you mentioned Queradillas in, in Mexico. Um, my dad actually used to work at a restaurant in Juarez called um, Lo Rico del Pobre. And it was mostly known for barbacoa and, and, and tacos, but they used to serve, it's not like a Rocky Mountain Oysters, but it is bull testicles sliced up and put in a taco with uh, other spices and ah. stuff. And huh. I asked him about it this morning. He was not a fan. Would not try them again. <laughs> I noticed you didn't compliment really? my pronunciation, Adrian. <laughs> you did pretty well. I was Thank really you. mostly focused on you, you on you calling it a juicy conversation. I, it's an yeah. interesting choice of words for this topic. Yeah, well, we'll get into that too. I don't know how juicy I thought they were in the end. but um, um, so, so, Peyton, you've done some research uh, on this for our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you two both write mm -hmm. um, every day for us. Um, what, what's the deal with these things? Where, did, where Is it a novelty? Is it a specialty? What is it? Yeah, yeah. So to be clear, they didn't, you, we can't really, Colorado can't really claim the origin of, of eating bull testicles. Um, to be clear, cultures 
around the globe have been eating all parts of animals for a millennia. Sometimes it's a spiritual reason. Sometimes it's cultural significance. Um, a lot of times it's just because in hunter and gatherer um, like cultures, they don't want to waste food. Um, so mm. we didn't create eating bull testicles, obviously. Um, but in our neck of the woods, in our region, it's mostly associated with old Western culture uh, and life on the Great Plains. And I think the most historians will agree that it was partially uh, like a waste not want not mentality of that era. Um, it also just makes sense logistically if you're a rancher who's castrating bulls and you've just got this like stockpile of surplus meat building up, uh, why waste it? Um, so I think that's when it was primarily eaten as food. Why it has stuck with Colorado is is something different, actually. So it's, I think, more that Colorado took the idea and ran with it. So according to DU Associate Professor of History, William Philpott, um, he says that in that time, in the post-World War II decades of Colorado, state boosters used the idea of Rocky Mountain oysters to pique tourists' interests by romanticizing the idea of cowboy culture. Um, so they were just like, hey, like, Colorado, we're so cool. Come check us out. We're Old West, like cowboys. And it was kind of seen as something that was like super Colorado, especially in an era of Denver um, when the city was becoming more and more urban and suburban. Mm, um, and so we were kind of... Yeah, we were losing our associations, not losing our associations, but we were getting new industries that weren't necessarily ranching and farming and mining. So to like brag about eating bull testicles was a way to be like, I'm so Colorado. Um, and I want to huh. share this quote from from Professor Philpot that I think really sums it up. He says, quote, the association of Rocky Mountain oysters with Colorado had a lot to do with post-World War II Colorado boosters celebrating the dish and holding it up as the kind of thing that defined a real Colorado in a rapidly changing West. And then he says, what could be more Colorado than cattle and what could be more manlier than balls? <laughs> and there you have it. The machismo aspect of it is is kind of interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about that, but like this, like you know, oh, are you gonna are you gonna eat it? Do you dare? Do you dare try it? Like as a being sort of a fundamental part of this this myth making that these folks were doing in that post war decade. That's very interesting to me. Adrian, does that resonate with you as someone who like loves this? You know, the Western world, the Western lifestyle. Yeah, as someone who's a man, yeah, definitely. That's that's <laughs> what really interests me about it is this like archetype of a, of a manly man eating, eating uh, you know testicles. It's it's an interesting correlation. But I mean, I I love the myth of it. It's really interesting. It's really exciting. Uh, growing up eating Mexican food, I think it, in some, in a lot of cultures, particularly uh, you mentioned around the world, we eat what tends to be discarded parts of animals. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. for me, I grew up eating menudo, tripas, like eating tripe, you're eating all the, the parts of the animal that tend to be um, what less wealthy communities eat. So, I, mm -hmm. you know, to me, super interesting. I love them. I love the tastes. I love the myth. I love the lore. And uh, the machismo is interesting. I don't love that part, but it's always, <laughs> it's always interesting to see people. Because again, I, I don't think we eat food, we eat ideas. And the idea mm. of something like a testicle is, you know, it's, it's super interesting. Yeah. Um, I, that, that's the part that resonates with me too. The, like the, we don't want to waste any part of it, you know, as, as a longtime vegetarian, who's now slowly dabbling with eating meat again, like that, like these would have gone to waste otherwise aspect of, mm -hmm. of this is, 
it, it feels really good to me. And I, I would love to be embracing that more. And this, that's why, you know, I have a quote here from uh, one of the pieces you quoted in your piece, Peyton was, um, it's from modern farmer, a, a short quote, uh, Usually about once a year, young stock born in the spring are rounded up and branded, dehorned, and castrated. Uh, these are bulls. Um, with a pair coming off each male animal, a rancher could easily end up with hundreds of testicles in an afternoon, minus a few slung over the shoulder for hardworking dogs. A farm could easily end up with more freewheeling gonads than they can handle. So what's a ranch to do? <laughs> um, and then there's this professor guy at uh, Emporia State University who's like, I know many ranches that will collect them during branding, and when they are all done, they'll have a party afterwards. So so they'll all, the oysters will be the main meal. And then, you know, you drink beer and whiskey along with it. Um, so that image, you know, that, that is very, that's like, that is the romantic West, you know? And I yes. love that. Um, but that's not what we did. Those are not the Rocky Mountain oysters we had. We had the Rocky Mountain oysters. No, no, we did no castrating. Um, <laughs> we didn't even get, there was no mooing. I didn't hear a single moo. Um, but we tried them at the Buckhorn Exchange, where else? Um, which if you're not familiar is kind of an interesting restaurant here in Denver. One of our oldest, um, it's over in the Alma Lincoln park at 10th and Osage. We got to talk about it. Just what this place is before we even get to the oysters. Adrian, what is it? What does it feel like? What does it look like to walk into this place? It is an assault on the senses. I think if you've never been and you walk in, you go, <laughs> what is happening in this place? There are animal heads, there are dioramas, there are pictures of, of old West of cowboys, cowgirls. Uh, you know, all of the servers are, are dressed up in in some some version of a Western world. The the menus printed on on what uh, looks like an old newspaper called the Osage Times, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it is it is by far like when you go to a restaurant, you're really paying for the experience, and this is this is one of those where you're like, okay, I I see what I got myself into. It's a lot. It it so is. I mean, as soon as I walked in, I had never been before, but like, it's it the experience is the thing at the Buckhorn Exchange. Like the food. We'll talk about it. But when I walked in, I was like, this reminds me of Casa Bonita. That's this thing, yeah. you know? And I, and I was reading about this and like why it kind of felt that way. And, um, you know, the history of this restaurant is really interesting. It was, they say it's established 1980 or 1893, um, which was the year of the silver crash. So like not a big time for miners or like the economy wasn't really popping at the time. But apparently this guy who they say was part of Buffalo Bill's, you know, gang of cowboys shooting buffalo all across the plains he was the one who founded it uh henry h shorty scout zeitz or zeitz um, but he ran it for a long time until uh like the i think 49 or in the 50s and then for a few decades buckhorn exchange was like slowly dying is what the impression i got until 1978 um, when it briefly closed and then this new group of investors came in, uh, led by Roy Davis and Steve Knowlton, who are these super like rich and influential Aspenites. I did not know this history. It was curiously, uh, uh, left out of the, uh, the menu, the, the official Buckhorn exchange history, hmm. but this Roy Davis guy, he, he founded a company to support blind skiers and Steve Knowlton was a part of the 10th mountain division which is another one of Colorado's wow. great stories and the owner of the Golden Horn wow. restaurant in Aspen. So someone who, who cool. knows a little bit about running a restaurant about, uh, that uh, emphasizes the, uh, the Western, uh, the myth-making of the West. But yeah, the 70s, you know, that's the same kind of thing, same era as Casa Bonita, when these experiences telling the stories about this place through uh, a restaurant um, it was a trend. Did it feel like that to you, Peyton? Well, 
I'm I'm wondering, can you tell how um, or do you know how much it changed from like in, in that like ownership change? Like, did they hmm. like revamp it to make it feel kind of like a kitschy experience or like, ha- I mean, it, when you walk in, it feels very, I don't know. It does. It does feel like you're I, like the outside of the building looks like something that w- has been standing since, you know, the Wild West days. Like it, it looks that way. But I wonder how much of that is like just like intentional design versus actual yeah. history. I don't know. I have no idea. I do. I do think the outside that's 1890s to me, the inside pure 70s. Like, I don't know how old that taxidermy mm. is, but yeah. I, I can't imagine that it's 150 or, or 130, 40 years, I guess now. We don't do math on the show. Should we talk about the meal itself? Let's, yeah, sure. let's talk about it. Peyton, the oysters. Give us your first. Give us your first review. Give us your take. Um. So I I want to start by saying I I have tried them before. Mm. I tried them years and years ago when I was in high school, and um, I worked at a restaurant who decided they were going to start serving them, and we were doing like a menu tasting. Um. You know, because he was like they they would show all the servers like the new items that were on the menu, and he tried to trick us all and say that these were our new chicken nuggets, and they weren't <laughs> chicken nuggets; they were clearly pool testicles. Um. But I remember eating it and just being like, "This is the nastiest chicken nugget I've ever had." Like, <laughs> it just was like it tastes like a chicken nugget, but it was mm. like super like it was like, kind of chewy, and there wasn't like a lot of like s- like substance to it. And now, you know, whatever, 10, 15 years later, um, I can say that that is exactly how it felt again. Um, it was just, (laughs) it's not gross to me. I think people who think it's gross are typically like, uh, like Adrian said, you're grossed out by the idea that you're eating bull testicles. Um, but if I'm talking like strictly as somebody who's like, if I'm talking strictly about the food itself, um, it, it's, it just tastes like fried bread on like a super thin, crappy piece of meat. (laughs) That's how I feel about it. Does that, does that feel (laughs) right to you too? That's about right. Um, they're not, yeah, they're not something I, I reach for because I'm craving them or they're delicious. I think it's the fact that it's fried. It tastes almost like any other fried food. It tastes like the deep fried yes. a little bit. That's um, okay. That's my thing too. And my right. question is, can we, I would like to give them another chance served differently. Can we like pan fry them? Hmm. Absolutely. It's hard because they're so gamey. Like I, I mean, breading them and deep frying them. I think that's the easiest way to, to, to cook them probably, but there, there's so many recipes. I, I saw, I was reading this morning that in pa- Pakistan, they have it, they have a dish called uh, katakat, I think is what it's called. Um, you know, Mexico, like I said, we serve them, they sometimes they're steamed. I know in Spain in the 80s and 90s, it was a thing to give them to children. And uh, I think in France, they call them mamorettes. So there's, there's different ways to do it. And what I, what I want to see in Denver, there's the lore, there's the Rocky Mountain Oyster version of it. I want to see, we have James Beard award winners in the city. We have great mm. restaurants in the city. I want to see some cool versions. I want to see somebody yes. do something with it that, that, that makes people excited and maybe not so much circled, uh, surrounded by the, by the lore of the West or like, oh, look, I'm eating bull testicles. You know, less of this, yeah. this, um, this idea that we're, we're trying something wild and crazy, but just something that's, that could be prepared to be delicious. Oh, I love that. Something Adrian. that's just like a little bit more honest, you know, like this is, it's meat, you know, it's part of the animal. Right. It's not some special, it's not the yeah. myth, it's not the Wild West. You're not a cowboy eating this. <laughs> right. But, I mean, because basically since that, you know, since the, the state boosters, you know, post-World War II, since they started like really pushing the idea of Rocky Mountain oysters, it was, it's always been about novelty. 
right? It's mm -hmm. always been about bringing tourists and say, saying that you ate bull testicles because you're, you know, because it's a cool thing to say. But I love that call to action, Adrian, because I want to try it in a way that doesn't taste like deep fryer. Because I don't, I don't like things that are deep fried anyway. So it's like, mm. I'm not going to like those, period. I just, I don't know. Yeah, Paul, I'm curious as someone who's newly dabbling in the world of meat again, how did you feel um, with one of your very first non-vegetarian dishes being a bull testicle? <laughs> I mean, it was fine. <laughs> you you two summed it up. There's really not that much to say about it. It's like a little tough. Yeah. It's a little gamey. You maybe taste a little bit of that iron to it. You didn't wouldn't have even known that it was a that it was a Rocky Mountain oyster if you didn't you know order it specifically. I did like when right. um, you know after I pressed the 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 waitress with maybe too many questions that she she came out <laughs> with the the plate and then a little uh you know a, a napkin over top and it was like oh what what are you what are you doing here and she revealed this is the uncooked uh testicle and um that was quite surprising <laughs> and exciting i thought i don't know how you two felt about it but it was bigger than i expected it was like big old like oval like maybe like i don't know eight inches long four inches tall it was huge yeah, it's like a roast in in my research, um, in the piece I wrote for the newsletter about this, I had to do a lot of um, Googling. Uh, so I saw <laughs> more than more pictures of bull testicles than I ever need to see again. <laughs> we appreciate your research, Peyton. Yeah, thank, thank you. For that. <laughs> um, okay, so we, we're, we're, so th I guess the question is, uh, you know, if this thing is for tourists mostly, if you're wanting to take folks out on the town to show them like a little bit of Denver would the buckhorn exchange be on your list would you want to bring people to this place is this the story that either of you would want to tell friends loved ones in town to visit about denver uh i think it's a i think it is a really cool part of denver history i love the story of it um i think it's it's fun it's it's really cool to pass by on the outside but honestly like adrian said when you walk in it's such an assault on your senses and like the the taxidermy like and i'm not someone who's like anti-taxidermy by any means but like it's so much um i don't know i just i i don't know i don't think i would i think i'd be like hey here's this cool piece of denver history uh you can google some photos of the inside or if you feel so inclined <laughs> check it out it's cool i just don't think I, it was i don't know i had never been and it was um it was an it was a fine experience yeah adrian how about you <laughs> I don't know what this says about me as a friend, but I would absolutely do the opposite. I would tell someone, a friend that was visiting, not much about it. We're going to go to this cool place that's historic. And then just let them walk in and, and just be surprised, bombarded, blindsided by all of it. Uh, I don't know if I'd make them eat the, the testicles if they didn't want to, but certainly have a drink, experience it, see it. And then, all right, we'll move on to the next thing. But I would definitely take them to this place. Yeah, I think I'm with you, Adrian. <laughs> but with one addendum, because I have to say... The Buckhorn Exchange is so expensive. And this is another yeah. comparison with Casa Bonita, like pre-South Park Casa Bonita. It's very expensive and the food is fine. Um, so I would say definitely go get the Rocky Mountain Oysters, but just go for drinks, you know, drinks and an appetizer. You get out of there for like $30, yeah. $40. I think that's the way to do it, Paul. I think that that's a good middle ground between me and Adrian is like go for apps and a drink. Um, and I want to just add, I would eat old Casa Bonita's enchiladas over the steaks and buckhorn for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I did not. I did not <laughs> think they were all that good. Well, that's saying something. I know. So wow. do with that info what you will. <laughs>
here we are at the end of the Thursday show. That means it's time for our picks for your weekend. Each of us has prepared a personal recommendation. Could be an event, could be a new restaurant opening, an old favorite running a special, or anything else we think would be perfect to do this weekend. Um, we're going to go around and share them, share our picks. Adrian, you want to start us off? Sure. Let me start off. Uh, mine is the 42nd annual Colorado Indian and Southwest Arfest. Uh, it is in town. It's at the convention center, uh, the 12th through the 14th. So all weekend you can go in, pop in. And I know they have concerts. They have over 150 vendors there. We went last year and um, I love that it happens during the stock show because I cannot get enough. I would I would be at the stock show all day, every day if I could, if I didn't have to work. Um, maybe maybe I'll do that next year. Maybe I'll take this week off and just live at the stock <laughs> show. But anyway, the the Southwest Art Fest is incredible. They have some uh, native folks. They have Anything from art to food to drinks. Uh, I saw a falcon last year. They have a, oh. a special birds. They have concerts. Uh, they have services. It's it's an incredible. If you if you love the stock show and can't get enough, this is the place to be this weekend. Very cool. I'm gonna second that recommend that recommendation, Adrian, because um, before the recording started, you were like, "I hope you guys didn't pick mine." I had yours picked up until a very last minute pivot, um, because it does sound really <laughs> cool. And and for the same reason you said, I think it's it's awesome that it lines up with the stock show. So like, if you can't get enough of that, like, you know, that old that look at old West culture, um, this seems like such a cool place to go. Mm. It's so much fun. Well, Peyton, what did you pivot to? What is your what is your true um, recommendation? I pivoted to uh, the Far East Center because they are doing Lunar New Year events all month long and into the first week of February. Um, so really, you could just take take a look at their website and see the different things that they have going on. But they've got lion dancing performances, dumpling making classes, holistic health courses, um, like Chinese medicine uh, workshops. It's it sounds like it's so cool. There's something going on like almost every single day there uh, to celebrate the new year. And they do uh, really incredible things um, to celebrate Asian culture. So that's oh, where that's I'm going to wander to. And that's over at uh, Federal and Alameda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. My pick is, uh, well, I've talked about this on the show before, but I am very excited about politics this year. Very excited about these presidential elections, covering them, thinking about them, getting involved. Um, and uh, in the spirit of the primary season that we're just getting started on, I watched a movie last night called The Front Runner, um, which came out in 2018, um, which I don't think made much of a splash when it came out. But for us Denverites, it's got a little bit of an extra intrigue to it because it tells the story of Gary Hart, um, who's the, the Democrat who ran for president in 1988. He was a Denverite. Um, and he was probably the Denverite who got closest to the White House ever. He was, as the title says, the front runner for the nomination. Um, but he ended up having, he ended up dropping out over this sex scandal. Um, he, he, he maybe had an affair. And then the movie sort of tells the story about this um, controversy and how it played out with questions about like the, the role of the media. Should there even been questions about his, his affair or his, his marriage? And, um, you know, this is, this is kind of a formative story for our politics the way they are now. And it's all about Denver. Like the whole first act is, um, a really interesting sequence about like planning where to do his campaign announcement. Should it be at Red Rocks? Should it be at the Brown Palace? And so you end up seeing uh, Hugh Jackman at Red Rocks declaring, uh, opening his, um, his campaign. It was, it was a fun movie. It was pretty good. It's not great, but it was, it was pretty fun. And, uh, for Denverites, I think there's a lot to, there's a lot to like there. That's cool. That sounds like, um, 
I mean, I would watch that just for like the Denver spotting aspect of it as somebody who's like not into politics. Um, it'd be a good way to trick me into watching something politicky. It's It's interesting, you know, to imagine what, you know, a Denver based campaign for president would be like. Because we yeah. just, it's, it's really only happened that one time. Very cool. I like that. I love, I'm team Hugh Jackman. I, I love Hugh Jackman. And I believe this was the opening night film for the 2018 Denver Film Festival. Or oh, really? Maybe oh. one of those years. It was one of the red carpet presentations. And I can't remember who came out. It definitely wasn't Hugh Jackman because I, I would be in jail right now currently if, if he was there because I would be, I would be the guy that would come up and, and fanboy hard. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> I learned something new, Adrian. <laughs> um, so you've seen it. Did you like it? I enjoyed it. I, th I agree with you. I think it's it's good. It's enjoyable. I'd like the Denver aspect of it, obviously, but yeah, yeah. Not, not one that sticks out in my mind. Well, it's available to rent for like six bucks on uh, YouTube. That's where I got it. I don't think it's on any of the streaming services, but um, there you have it. Our official picks for your weekend. Um, we'll drop links to all those in the show notes, but there's way more where that came from. Uh, Peyton and Adrian have got way more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now at denver.citycast.fm. Adrian, Peyton, thanks for eating Rocky Mountain Oysters with me. <laughs> it was um, very enjoyable, Paul. <laughs> thanks, Paul. I'm Bree Davies, and I'm here with newsletter editor Adrian Gonzalez. Hey, Adrian. Good morning, Bree. It's Western Week here at CityCast Denver, and we've got another Tacovas tip. Adrian, what have you got? All right, today's Tacovas tip is how to choose the right hat for you. So you're interested in Western wear, you're cowboy curious, as I call it, <laughs> and you're ready to buy a, a cowboy hat. The first thing to, to think about is form and function. I think they can coexist. So what you don't want to do is ever buy something that's going to make you uncomfortable. You're going to walk in a room and feel like you're in a costume. And so trying things on is really important. I know Tacovas has a couple of great options, right? And for here, the weather in Denver, you want to have a felt hat during the winter months. It keeps you a little bit warmer. But when it comes to the summer, I can tell you from experience that, for example, this felt hat that I'm wearing today gets super hot. I'm a little sweaty. So you want to spring for the straw hat in the summer months. Okay. It'll keep you cool. And you look cool. Thanks for joining us, Adrian. Thanks, Bree. Step into a new pair of Tacovas for wherever your journey takes you. And remember, don't go gently. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Hugh Jackman about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. You know that line in, uh, do you ever see Tommy Boy? Chris Farley, Tommy Boy? It's like the great, the, one of the best. And that line he always tries to say, I could get a pretty good look at a T-bone steak if I put my head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. I've been thinking about that all week. I could get a pretty good look at a Rocky Mountain Oyster by sticking my head into a bull's crotch, but I'd rather... <laughs> <laughs>